Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. Yeah. The words of John Lennon. In the end, it'll be okay. But if it's not okay, it's not the end. shine on me i'm sorry man i've been listening to that song since the album came out friday shine on me i've been listening to that on repeat my bad my bad i got a little carried away this new album i might forgive but i don't forget go ahead check that young jeezy out or just jeezy not young no more just jeezy snowman <laughs> it's the ball hawk show podcast i'm your host my hawkins appreciate you taking time out today to listen to the latest episode man we got to break down uva's latest game the ninth game of the season they welcome Georgia Tech to Scott Stadium. And they welcome them with too much open arms because this game got ugly fast after the first quarter anyway. The Wahoos lost by a score of 45-17. to 17. And then they got to travel to Louisville and play on Thursday. So it was a quick turnaround. Before we get started, salute to the sponsors, Abra Insurance. Go to Abra Insurance for all your insurance needs. That's home, business, auto, life insurance, the great people at able that definitely will have an affordable policy for you so hit up able insurance go to ableinsurance.net tell them the ball house sent you if you call them on the phones right off route road here locally in charlottesville they got offices in richmond as well so check them out for all your insurance needs man also if you're looking for a shut the hell up juice apparel go to sthujuice.store that's sthujuice.store to get your fear um, hoodie that you saw me wear, was it two previews ago? For the Red Diamond Coffee and Tea uh, preview. Uh, I think it was before the North Carolina game, if I'm not mistaken. Ironically, I dropped my fear, the first version, before we played Carolina in 2019. That's ironic, right? Uh, and both of them were night games that we needed to win, and we won them. Huh. Coach was like, Christ, wear the, wear the fear hoodie all the time. <laughs> we win when you wear it. <laughs> Salute the, the great Coach Wells, man. So let's jump right into it, man. Um, 
So here's the thing. I'm going to be candid with you guys. I ain't watched the film. I'm not watching the ass whooping like that. Sorry, kids. That's a bad word. I'm not watching us getting our hind pots beat again. I saw it in person. And I watched replays on person. I, I couldn't. I, I ain't going to lie to you, man. I could not sit through it. I couldn't do it. Felt like Mike, Mike Singletary can't do it, won't do it. No. You're not going to get an analytical episode today. Nah. What can I possibly tell you that you don't already know? <laughs> like, come on, bro. I, I share some like some stats with y'all, but it's pretty self-explanatory. If you a coach, you don't even show this to your team, in my opinion. For what? Bro, don't you think he they know they got their butts whooped? And if you have a good play, you got your butt whooped. All the grades should be you lost. Like every 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 like little test or little summary of the game for plays and if you got a plus or a minus. If you got a plus, you put beside the plus. It don't matter though. You got smashed. Like, this is a true lesson right here. This is a true lesson that being close and almost winning don't mean nothing. This should be a lesson that this is a week-to-week business, just like I tell folks a scholarship is year-to-year. This business we in called sports entertainment, because, yes, it's entertainment, and it's just not a game. It's just not a game. This is y'all look. This is what you learn when you step into the college realm of sports. It's harsh out here, especially in the social media days. It's very harsh. If I was an, a college athlete, I would not have social media, bro. There is no way because everybody and their mother got an opinion on how you should operate and how you should navigate and how you should have did this and how you're not good at that. I seen a, on a on a Facebook group. A gentleman was going at one of our players saying he can't run good routes. I'm like, what? He's if a terrible route runner that's a starter that's top 10 in ACC and yards and stuff is a ter- terrible though and stood by 10 toes down. I'm just like, yo, man. But it's an opinion and everybody's entitled to opinion. Just like I'm entitled to my opinion and opinions weigh the same because at the end of the day, there's no right or wrong. Like you can't like I'll just tell folks I disagree with them. When somebody try to tell me I'm wrong with an opinion, I just be like, bro, like don't do that. Because I know if I tell you you wrong, most likely you're gonna get in your feelings. Cause I oh, I, I, I I catch it a lot, bro. I don't know what it is, but I could sit back and somebody could provide their opinion upon opinion upon opinion, and I could just question one of their opinions and for some reason, they attack me personally. Like, oh, you think you this and this and that? Why? Is it because you played and I didn't? I'm like, no, I just want to know how you came to this conclusion. How did you come to this assessment? Because when it comes to games, we as all, we as fans don't know the play call verbatim. We don't know what the thought process verbatim. So we all are assuming this is what Coach Kitchens was thinking, or this is what Calandria was thinking, or this is what Musket was thinking, or this is what the defender was thinking, this is what Coach Rudd was thinking, or this is what Coach Elliott was thinking. We're all providing opinions. That's it. I just happened to cut on record and document my opinion and shoot it out to various folks that they can 
on record say I said it and got proof. This ain't no tweet that you could delete before you screenshot. This is like on wax. So when I provide my opinion or my analysis, whatever you want to frame it, I put it out there and I stand on it. Ain't no backtracking, no backpedaling. And I think that's what, that's what this, it, it transitions me into what I've been seeing that I'm trying to continue to gain a better understanding of the fan perspective. Cause I want to always be respectful to the folks who uh, spend money with the program and help drive the program to where it wants to go financially. So I'm always, I'm learning to be more and more respectful in my approach and, and how I respond to things. If you somebody who just watch from your home or go to an occasional game, you might get a little different vitriol than somebody who's like donate. Let me stop. Let me just say, I'm trying to be respectful to everybody. But sometimes I feel like once people cross the line of respect, then they shouldn't get the same respect. If that makes sense. Like if I see somebody who the, that, that they are habitual line steppers, that they cross the line a lot. A lot of times I got this struggle, like the petty hawk side of me really want to take up for the individual they disrespecting. Cause I know they not going to say nothing. Right. They're in a position where they shouldn't say something, but it's like, man, I'm a little peon. I, Petty Hawk can say something. Boom. Unless it's going to mess up my brand, then I won't say nothing. But if I feel like all systems go, then boom, Petty Hawk come out. Like, you got some nerd, blase, blase, blah. Just like, the, you know, but then even with me, some situations I just won't say something. Like when Buddy was coming at me left, and my old side of me really wanted to cut the mic on and just mm, name drop them, talk about them, mm, really stick it to them. I got them, but it ain't going to do nothing. I might feel better in the moment, but at the end of the day, it doesn't do anything. It really doesn't. It entertains folks for the folks who may not like the individual. They're like, yeah, you told them, ah, we're going to get them. And then the folks who support them could come out to me like, yeah, they probably was like that. Yeah. Yeah. You told them all. I can't stand him either. But where, where does that like that's how you know I've grown because it's like I'm I'm thinking ten steps ahead. Like this don't benefit me, it really don't. I don't know if it benefit that individual could or could not. It is what it is. But that's what that's how I approach just even this game. Like when I cut this mic on today, I just, I had to sit back and be like, I really want to rant. Like I really want to rant and show emotion right now about what I saw. What needs to change. And then I become reflective. And start thinking. Well you got to kind of. Demonstrate. That you know better than those kids. Because. Excuse my language. Georgia Tech beat my ass in 2035-0. Down there on the Thursday night game. After we looked at remember the Titans. So I know how I feel. To be an embarrassment. And get your hind pots kicked by the Rambler. I know firsthand. 35-0. We didn't score a single point. And guess what? Their head coach was playing offensive line. He was all ACC that year. So he doesn't beat UVA as a player down. I was part of that team. Embarrassment. And now as a coach, he doesn't beat UVA down. 45-17. So that's why I kind of just was looking like this podcast episode might be a therapy session. 
Ain't gonna be no X's and O's. X's and O's. If you was the O, you won. If you was the X, you won. But we won't need the one. That's the X's and O's for the game. I can give you some stats. The biggest glaring stat is they had 305 rushing yards. Do I need it? Three. Now, granted, the last, when we went to Georgia Tech in 20, was it 18 or 19? I think that was 2018 when we had all those uh, injuries to the defensive linemen and we lost by, f- we, we missed the field goal late. They had 300 yards of 300 rushing yards that game. I think they was running the triple option there. I think it was 2018 that year. This ain't the first time they ran for three, but, but for this offense, look, coming to the game, they're averaging 190 plus yards of rushing. Uh, they were giving up over 200 yards, but the flow of the game really put us behind the eight ball. And they really started running at us. Like that's the first quarter we kept it at bay. Um, We scored seven points. Musket got rolled up on, got a high ankle sprain. We tried to wait it out to see, you know, what was his, his status. Cause we brought Grady in. Grady completed a 21 yard pass. And then once we got word that Musket couldn't come back, we was like, all right, we're going to put Calandra in, you know, his shirt is gone. We got to win this game. Like we gon' like the coaches was like we just at least they won't set in their ways, right? As much as Coach Elliott take vitriol for decisions and that he's made over the you know, year and a half he's been coaching us, at least he's showing y'all like, I'm gonna win this game. That's why I told somebody a couple weeks ago and uh forgot which radio spot I was doing. And I was saying, in all actuality, Cause they was like play Calandria plan for the future. And I'm like, Coach Elliott really don't have the sweat equity or the cachet to take that approach to say, well, I'm gonna play for the future and I'm gonna play the young guy. He gotta play the guy that could best help him win now. And somebody like, do you really feel like he'll get fired at the end of the year? And I was like, but as a coach, you can't just take it for granted and just say, Oh, they're gonna give me at least three or four years. No. No. So that's why I always you know, kind of give people calls to pause and say, man, you just need to play for the future. Yeah, what does that mean, though? So just say, yeah, you plan for the future and you keep taking losses. With, you know, that future may not be there. You got to play the guy that gives you the best opportunity to win. And when Muskie went down, you saw Coach say, I'm going to go with the quarterback getting the best opportunity to win, which is Calandria, the best available guy, because Muskie's not available. But, the, the glaring stat that jumped out to me was the 305 yards rushing. They averaged 6.9 yards per rush. I mean, it's simple as that, bro. They kept it super simple. They set us up early. What they were doing early is they would run that inside RPO, inside wham. Then they would throw quick screens to the outside so they have you converging to the A gap, B gap, converging to the A cap, A gap, B gap, then throwing to the outside, which is like a sweep, and they got you on the sideline to sideline. They got you pursuing. So they got your eyes going from middle to sideline to sideline, middle, sideline to sideline. Then they started incorporating some motions and still trying to run inside and incorporating motions and throwing and throwing um those quick, quick hitters. And then before you know it, everything started looking the same. But they just say, you know what? We're going to run at you. We'll give up a couple possessions early, right? We'll give up a couple possessions. We'll punt. That's fine. But we're going to set you up. I love boxing. 
gonna give you this jab to the body. To me, it's a jab to the body. People don't realize how difficult it is to defend a jab to the body when it's landing and what it does for you, your overall arsenal if you're a fighter. You know, I watch a lot of Floyd Mayweather, and one one of his most slept on skill sets is that jab to the body. That's how I feel like he will always beat Manny Pacquiao no matter what, because I feel like his jab to the body will always mess up Manny Pacquiao's rhythm. It would cause him to reset his clock because Manny Pacquiao had a tendency of swaying two or three times, depending on what throw he would have. He had a he had a rhythm. And Floyd's jab to the body will always reset that. Reset that. He might be on two and be ready to punch, and then boom, Floyd throw that punt, that jab to the up. Oh, I got to reset. And I felt like Georgia Tech was resetting our rhythm and what we wanted to do defensively because we knew they would go for it on fourth down a lot. They kept it super simple. They kept us on our toes in a sense of, oh, this is too easy. Something got to be coming up and nothing came up. They just kept doing it. Then they started incorporating quarterback runs. And you saw the difference there. And then the physicality started to take a toll on us. We got nicked up. Especially at the linebacker position when Cam Robinson went out and then um, Ahern was banged up. We had, you know, guys have to come in and now their eyes aren't trained like the starters' eyes. So they started seeing different things and running. Like it was one time when the quarterback scored in that inside um, run where he kept it when he faked to the motion. We had a, we had a defender, and I'm going to say what position, but we had a defender running right by him. Because they was looking at the eye candy. They looking at the motion, not understanding what's your responsibility. Stop trying to like feel like I'm gonna go make a play. Some like making plays is doing your job. If you're going to make a play, you first have to do your job. And that's what defense, that's why you see all these motions and this eye candy a lot of times because you can influence a defender to say, I'm gonna go make a play versus wait, wait, are you doing your job first? Because that's always most important. What's your responsibility? Make a play while also executing your responsibility. And we started getting guys having that. I don't want to say they were playing hero ball, but a lot of times when you're down, you start to press. That's what somebody who's running the football effectively and driving the football down the field and methodically doing it, you start to press because you want to get the hell off the field. You want to get off the field, bro. In the second half alone, Georgia Tech ran for 169 yards. I'm going to say this again. In the second quarter alone, I might have said second half. In the second quarter alone, Georgia Tech ran 20 times for 169 yards. Their quarterback ran six times for 81 yards in the second quarter alone. 169 Miami didn't have that in five quarters last game. They got that in one quarter. 169 yards. 31 plays they ran in the second quarter alone. They ran 31 plays. Then they ran 21 plays coming out of halftime in the third quarter. Come on, 52 plays in two quarters. We ran 25 plays in the first quarter. So we were on our way as well. We were on our way. And they said, oh, that's a good idea. We're going to run the ball. 
and control the clock. Because y'all had the ball for 10 minutes in the first quarter. You up 7-3. So we're going to return the favor. So they first drive in the second quarter. Hold on, let me see. Hold on, let me let me get, because I, I just want to get the number correct. In the second quarter, they first drive was 16 plays. This off this after coming off a nine-play drive for a field goal. 16 play drive. Then when they got the ball on the on the turnover, we actually stopped them. They had the ball for five plays. But after that 16 play drive, they 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 figured something out because they had a five play drive for a touchdown, another five play drive for a touchdown, another five play drive for a touchdown, eight play drive for a punt, eight play drive for a punt. Then a five-play drive for a touchdown, a two-play drive for a touchdown. But let's look at our flip side. Our last drive before the second quarter, 13 plays, 38 yards, we missed a field goal. Then after that, we went three and out, 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 three and out. We had six straight three and outs. One minute, 13 seconds, one minute, 18 seconds, 52 seconds, 28 seconds in which we got the field goal. So that three, that was a three and field goal. I'm sorry. Then we had the ball for one minute, 25 seconds, then 47 seconds. Come on, man. So our defense got a one minute break, a one minute break, 52 second break, halftime, one minute break, 47 second break. I mean, they were scoring in two minutes, one minute, two minutes. So, I don't know. I don't know how you want to call it, man. Like, that's why I say I don't need to watch no film. We got our high parts. Take it to the woodshed. It was bad. The second and third quarters was probably the worst quarters of executing we played all year versus anybody buddy. Second and third quarter, the middle quarters. Bad. Just two straight games. Well, because the, the last four minutes of last game in the second quarter and then the third quarter, I mean, we bounced back. I know we 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 turned the ball over, but at least in Miami, we responded. But it was just bad execution, just bad, both sides. And both coordinators took accountability, took responsibility. They really did. When you come into this game and you see they giving up over 200 yards rushing, you're like, yo, we, we need to run right at them. And I felt like when we ran in between the, the B-gaps, we did well. For some reason, we wanted to get outside of them and outflank them, and I felt like that played into their hands because I always felt like their weakness was between the, between the B-gaps. I really did. The Florida game kind of took us out of things, but some of the play calling where we could have really kept it simple and we wanted to get cute and be one step ahead, I felt like that was a detriment because I felt like with this defense, anybody you looked at them running the football, whether it was Boston College, whether it was Carolina, whether it was Bowling Green, whether it was South Carolina State, like, they ran right at them. And I felt like this was the game. Like, Mike Hollins ran over their D, their D tackle, whose last name is Biggers, because he's 6'6", 340. Mike knocked him out by running through him. Mike hurt himself, too. But I felt like that was setting the tone of physicality. You got a, a back last, what, 205, 210 that just – Ran through a dude that's three thirty six foot six, and put him out the game in a legal way. I felt like run right back up the gut because I felt like they were Velcro in there. I felt like they would just attach themselves, and we could get the second level of the, of the linebackers if we wanted to. I really felt like 
with the three down line look that they were trying to give with a four down line look, I really felt like trying to outflank them wasn't it. And I, but I'm not, I don't know what they saw. And again, the tempo of the game messed up our game plan. And when Calandra came into the game, here's my thought process. I'm be totally candid with y'all when it come to Calandra when he came in the game in the mindset. I really felt like it's like you got that new toy. You got to use it, which I didn't feel like we had to use him. I ain't, I felt like he gave us even more of a threat of being sound using the inside RPO because now they really got to hold it because they know that Mama Jamma and he showed you. they He showed that he willing to run and run through you. And I felt like, ooh, with him, we ain't even got to run a lot of deep threats. And, like, we can really keep it simple because they got to hold their water on the outside with him because he'll really pull it and run. And I know he fumbled when he got the first down. Go ahead by the defensive back, whatever. And, you know, we still got the we still got to stop. But I really felt like, but again, again, I'm going to say this again. The game started to get away from us and we had to start pressing. We had to start trying to throw. And he made plays. The, the play he made to Rollins was spectacular for Rollins' uh, first collegiate touchdown. Salute to Rollins, man. Salute to you on that. But it's, it was certain reads that, you know, Tony would take that throw versus the gunslinger. Everybody, I really dislike that. I don't dislike that that moniker. I don't want to give a quarterback the term gunslinger because to me, that's an excuse for oh, he's willing to take a shot. And gunslingers take shots they don't need to take. Gunslinger is a favorable term. I will say that if somebody give you the the the, the term gunslinger as a quarterback, that's they got a built in excuse for you if you turn it over. That's just my opinion. Think of all the quarterbacks they call gunslingers. They don't hold them accountable for their turnovers. They really don't. If they throw interceptions or they miss a throw, they they like it comes with the territory, right? Just like game management, a game manager is seen as a negative, which a game manager should be the most positive style quarterback you can have. Because you know they're going to take care of the football and they're going to manage it and they're going to always put you in the best position to win. So we'll take the best term you could give a quarterback, which is game manager, and make it negative. And then we'll take the the worst term you could give a quarterback, gunslinger, and put it in the light of endearment. And like bad meaning good. Like not bad meaning bad, but bad meaning good. Huh. Like run DMC song. But with Calandra, man, like he's, he's very exciting. And I do. Just like me, I'm not dissing Dez. I'm not dissing nobody, but I just felt like when 10 stepped in the game, um, he could just, hold on, getting the text right quick. I just felt like, you know, you got a shiny, you got, you know, you get that shiny Mustang. You want to go on, on 64 and find you a rabbit and push it to the limit. Again, I'm not saying Dez did that. It just, it felt like with 10 in the game, we all did, right? When 10 came in the game, it's like, oh, yes, sir, baby. We about to take some shots. I know that's what everybody was thinking. I'm saying to myself, they thinking that too. <laughs> I did. When Kalandra came in the game, I said, oh, we could really run the ball now because they expected him to come on that thing and be a what? Gunslinger. So that that's just what it is. Um, but I thought, you know, I don't I ain't gonna say Calandria played bad or the reason why we lost. No, I'm not saying that. So don't nobody put that put that that dove on me. 
I was just saying, like, when he came in the game, just, like, the mindset. Um, I, I just think Georgia Tech just beat us up and down. Both sides of the ball, coordinators could say they should have, could have, would have. It don't matter. They beat, the, they beat us. Bad. 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 They beat us down. Been there before, man. I done been there before where somebody beat you down. Ain't nothing you could do about it, say about it. You better find solutions. You can find a bunch of excuses. Can you find a solution? That's what you paid to do. You find solutions. So what's some solutions, Ball Hawk? Well, I'm glad you asked. The first solution is this. Don't even, you don't, ain't no need to watch this tape. You sit down, you tell them, yo, you got to take it to the woodshed. They kicked your hind pots. You got to recalibrate your mindset right now. Yes, you beat Carolina, great. Yes, you almost beat Miami, great. Almost, whatever. Now you got your butt whooped again. Now people want to say you back to square one. Now people saying, oh, we finally up. That go to old t- Coach Elliott up. That go to old Coach Kitchens. People even were saying up. Oh, is Coach Rudd really a good defensive coordinator because he had Bronco players last year? That's what they like. Come on. Come on. Let's, let's go to church. We talking. This is the sports entertainment side that I was saying about social media. Like, yo, it's really real out here in these, in these internet streets. But but that's because everybody feels it. Like the team you had, like because the confidence was there, right? So UNC, boom, confident. Ooh, they could get it done. Then you saw Miami, like, man, we lost, but I still feel like we won. It was still a good showing. So everybody's confident in the team and the coaches. And you out there on the limb. And you out there on the social network world. You out there putting your characters out there. You stamping it and you attached to it. And you know them lurkers, they can't wait. And what happens? Georgia Tech, take it to the woodshed. Now, all the belief you had, either you could stand in your 10 and just say, Psh, yep, I'm going to take it on the 10 to him like Rocky. Punch me in the face, dry go for a couple rounds. I could take it. Or you could pass a buck and be like, you could get out in front of her, right? Oh, man, see, I knew it. I knew it. Oh, man, you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people don't realize, like, a lot of things that y'all do on social media, y'all actually make excuses, too. But your excuses in the framework of attacks. Because you was probably talking real, like, it's the reason why people attack a player or a coaching staff. Because unbeknownst to us, they've been bragging or been talking some type of cash trash that they don't want to stand on, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, if you bragging for the game, you're going to beat somebody and then you lose. You can either pass the buck and make excuses or stand in your tent and be like, yeah, you got me, dog. That's all right. Yep. And you sit there and you take it. Like, if I'm bragging about something and it don't work out the way it don't work, it's plenty of people like, ball hog, I th- thought you said this. I thought you said that. I got, like, And you ever notice when somebody's like real stand up when they were wrong, they'd be like, yeah, you got me. No, I was wrong. I thought we was going to do this and that. A lot of folks don't know how to respond to that. They're like, uh, oh, no, don't give me that. Why you ain't talking trash no more? You'd be like, no, how can I talk trash when I was wrong? No, 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 no. Talk that trash now. Like, they really want you to argue and make an excuse because you actually provided the solution of saying I was wrong. They want you to make an excuse. Why? So they can continue to drag you, talk bad about you, question your integrity, any and everything. Cause they 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 love it. But if the roles were reversed and you do that to them, they'd be like, dude, leave me alone. Why are you still talking to me? Okay, and and then they're gonna attack you personally. You know the personal attack's gonna come. Who are you to say this and this and that? Sidebar, 
talking about emotions in sports, here's something that I saw that at my older age now and going through therapy and reading books and things like that and, and tapping into my my emotional side and understanding that I've been told a lot, a lot growing up, especially when it comes to like crying and showing emotions in public. The kid, the quarterback for USC, what's his name? Caleb Williams, number 13. It's a video with him circulating. I thought it was like a Halloween costume and somebody was impersonating him, but did he like jump up in the stands and was like crying with his parents or with his family or something? And I saw like Robert Griffin III. And then I seen that, uh, that Juco coach that, that has a podcast. Like it's, it was polar opposite responses. Like RG3 um, is showing empathy, uh, basically saying it's okay to cry. It's fine. But then you got Coach JB talking about you soft. That's what's wrong with the kids today. Everybody's soft, blah, 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 this. You shouldn't be doing that. And I see people like if I was a GM, I would pass on that. You can't act like that as a quarterback. You can't do this. You can't do that. I just feel like, man, the world is a lie now. Like we like a bunch of robots. We really are like we get we we like we praise some people for being unapologetically themselves in public, like a Charles Barkley or a Draymond Green. We love them, right? Like they could be assholes. They say what they want to say. And when we agree with it, we like, yeah, we love them. And then when they say something we don't like, we like get them off of TV. But everybody will say that's just them because it depends on how much they accomplish. Like if Tom Brady tomorrow turns into the, the biggest butthole and bigot in the world, they'll probably get him some type of pass because he's the winningest quarterback when it comes to Super Bowls ever. Or, or, or like a Terry Bradshaw, when Terry Bradshaw, you say things. You got four Super Bowls. Like, people will look at, like, what you accomplished, and whether right or wrong, they'll just say, well, that's just him. But if you ain't reached a certain cusp, they'll just push you down. And this takes me to Caleb, man. He'll be my message. Like I said, this is a sidebar, but this is anybody, because I know it was some emotion show when I signed live, too. I don't, I ain't one of those people that'll tell you you shouldn't be crying after a game. Understanding all the work and sacrifices that you put into each and every single game, especially this brutal. Petty Hawk really wants to curse, and I'm making sure I'm censoring myself. So if you hear a subtle like me stop talking, it's me censoring myself because I'm about to curse. Because I'm really like triggered by this. But let's get back to what I'm saying. This, I can only speak for this sport. In football, you are wired to be violent. Violent, 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 violent. You got to callous your mind. You got to callous your body. You got to have this approach that you're going to destroy the person in front of you. You are a part of a car crash. Like, you just never know. And it could change in the blink of an eye. Like, you have no idea what it takes, man, to just every single play just know I got to run through him. It's my job. If I'm playing defense, I got to run through the ball carrier. 
I got to inflict pain on him before he inflicts pain on me. I don't tackle somebody just so I could tackle them. I'm trying to de- I'm trying to eliminate them, not in a bad way of taking them off this earth. I'm talking about I'm trying to take their mindset, their heart and their will to say, if I see that number, whoever number I'm wearing, if I see him coming downhill, if I see a number three, Anthony Poindexter, I don't want nothing. I'm dropping the ball. If I see 44 Wally Rainer coming downhill, I'm missing the block on purpose. Like, that's the mindset. You got to bite somebody's face off. That used to be like the man, tell him I'll bite your face off. I'm running through you. That's the mindset you have. So when you're preparing and you're mentally putting your, your, your mind through that, and you signed up for this, yes, I signed up for this. But if I show hurt, if I show disappointment, how does that make me weak? Think about this, bro. How does that make that person weak? I just went through one of the most physical demanding jobs in sports to be involved in car crashes for 60 minutes for your entertainment. And I showed disappointment and hurt and I released the pain out of my body through fluids coming out of my eyes so I could wash it out and get it out and practice an appropriate technique versus punching a wall or lashing out, but I'm going to cry to let this frustration out. And you got people that be sitting on their couch saying, oh, that person's soft. He weak. He a punk. He this. What's up with this macho stuff? I remember when I was growing up, my daddy was like, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. Be a man. Don't cry. I'm sitting there like, bruh, it's bad when I go to funerals now, it's hard for me to cry. Because I've been, I was brainwashed to thinking it's bad to cry. So when I see young people crying out in public, I'm like, that's a lot of strength right there to not care of showing that you are vulnerable in front of somebody. To me, that's toughness. That's having, like, that's bravery to me. Like, yeah, I know the person was covering up Caleb crying, but Ain't nothing wrong, man, when you competing and you giving your all and you just cry. Like, you ever been so mad you just start crying? Y'all ain't never done, I know, in your own home, right? Like, I understood why, why, uh, um, what's the boy, what's Cuba Gooden Jr.'s name in Boys in the Hood when he was punching in the air in front of Neil Long? He got so mad, it was punching in the air. I know Ricky's name, but what's his character name? I just know it's Cuba Gooden Jr. When he was punching in the air, he started crying, and Neil Long was just sitting like, why is he doing this? He was like, man, I'm tired of them effing with me, man. I'm tired of them effing with me. Trey. Trey started punching in the air. He started crying because he was so frustrated. A lot of times, man, when you see an athlete cry, they frustrated. They ain't got no words. And the safest thing is to cry. That's the safest thing you can do. As a human, it's it's really safe. Cry. Can you imagine if, if these volatile beings with helmets refuse to cry and let out their frustration in a in a different light? Whether they lash out at a reporter, which is bad, they lash out at a coach, which is bad, they lash out at a loved one who's waiting for them after the game, which is bad, versus crying and appearing to be weak. And then none of those folks have to receive that backlash as the outlet. 
all right, man, I'm gonna get off my soapbox. But that really, that was really on my spirit, man. Because I see a lot of times I empathize with athletes that maybe because I was a guy that would have my dart visor on in my helmet, and when I lost. I knew I couldn't fight the guy that just beat me. You know what I'm saying? Like my first instinct, well, I'm gonna punch. I'm gonna punch one of these dudes in the face. They say something crazy. I'm gonna win this. I'm gonna win the war. I ain't win the fight, which is the game, but I'm gonna win the war. I'm punching when I'm dead in the mouth. Boom! I might not win the fight either, but I'm gonna fire off. I'm gonna get mine. Or I could just shed tears, be like, "Dang, this hurt," because it hurt. All that prep you've been doing, that weightlifting in the morning, extra running, extra film study, you frustrated because. Somebody beat you deep. You're frustrated because somebody juked you. You're frustrated because you missed a tackle. You're frustrated because you missed a, a block. Frustrated because you missed a drop. I mean, an uh, interception or you drop a pass. Frustration. They are frustrated. They are letting thousands of people down that's at the stadium. That they possibly won't come back to see them play. That they possibly can lose a father figure, which is a coach, because they're not producing wins. Bro, it's a lot that goes into games that a lot of people don't know. That it really triggered me that, especially like Coach JB, like, come on. Like, come on, dude. Come on, man. Ain't nothing wrong. Hey, look, man. Don't let these, and I'm an old head. Don't let these old heads be out here telling you, don't be crying. Like, dog, do what you want. That don't make you no less of a man, no less. There's a lot of tough dudes that's soft in this world. A lot of soft dudes that's tough. Catch the ball. I'm going to say it again. There's a lot of tough dudes in the world that's soft and a lot of soft dudes that's out here that's tough. But it all depends on your perception. Because what is tough? <laughs> what is really the definition of a man that's tough? Is it all physical? Is, the, is, the, is it the, the, the person that doesn't show any emotion in public? You want a robot? You want a demigod? You want somebody that's perfecto? Or, 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 my bad. We we set parameters on when it's appropriate to cry on a football field. If it's a championship, yes, you could cry. If you've been eliminated from something, yeah, you could cry. But a, a regular season game, why would you cry? They care that much. They care, bro. Like somebody say, man, it's only two dollars. It's my two dollars. It's the principle, right? You know, people all put a they 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 put value on everything on when it's okay, when it's not. Nah, it ain't it ain't that big of a deal. It's still a big it's still a deal though, right? It's still bad. Oh, what's the big deal? Oh, it ain't that bad, but it's bad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Somebody, oh, it ain't that bad, man. It's bad. Yes, it is to you because it ain't affecting you. Whatever's well, affecting me, I wouldn't even care because yeah, because emotionally you can't tap into why they feel that way. Because you want to make sure your stance is the stance. I ain't, I ain't crying in front of no girl. I ain't soft. Okay. But you're going to talk your homeboy head off all night. That's like crying. If you're sitting there complaining all day, that's no, I'd rather you cry than just be talking my head off about something and you making excuses versus finding a solution. Solution might be just crying. Because while you crying, you may find a solution. Because you, you actually accept the responsibility. Like, I failed. I, I'm gonna learn. I'm learning right here, and I hate because I don't consider it like losing as failure. I consider it like it's a lesson learned. But in the in the moment, it's like you look at it as failure until you find a solution. It was like, oh, I learned from it because it produced this thought, produced this action, produced this journey. It got me here, and now I just created a new foundation. And that takes me to UVA. Now you got a band together. 
Like you got depth issues. Like what are we doing on linebacker if Cam is beat up? And we know Ahern is beat up. He got a cast on his hand. Like, like Bracey got to be ready. McDonald got to be ready. So all these guys got to get reps with the first group. Um, Coach Kitchens, Coach Kitchens made a statement in the in the presser. He was like, even though Calandria wasn't the starter, he always wanted to make sure he got reps with the starters. But at the same time, that can't supplement how the game speed is. So as, you can get as many reps as you want with the first team in practice, but that's not going to replicate game speed. So you still got to acclimate yourself with the game speed. You really do. You really do. People don't realize how special you have to be to not play certain weeks and then come in and boom, deliver. And it's not a perfect word. Everybody just don't, oh, just put him in so he so he could, he could get some reps. It don't work like that, bro. One minute y'all say the world is soft, but that's like a soft approach, don't you think? Is that not a soft approach? Right, I'm going to just put you in so you get some reps. Here you go. Here, I'm going to just put you in. That's just my question, y'all. I don't do all that soft stuff, bro. I really don't. Y'all see, I stay out of that. I really do. I stay out of the soft and tough conversations, man. I just stay away from it. I I, I don't get into that. Mo- I don't get into that mochismo stuff anymore, man. You know what I'm saying? So, um, hold on. Somebody was texting me. Um, but yeah. So back to back to UVA, back to Georgia Tech, back to the solutions of moving forward. So after you get your butt whipped, which I've been, whether it was here at UVA, get my butt whipped by the same team. Um, whether it was in the Arena Football League, get my butt whipped by various teams over my 10-year career. You really do got to look at yourself and just say, how did I approach? Like, where did I go wrong approaching this game? You really got to, like, everybody has to look at themselves because something changed from the previous two weeks of preparation to last week's preparation. And you have to find what you changed, and you got to get rid of that change because that affected you in a negative way. And now you have a short week. So now you have to be very, see you, very educational. Be safe. Daughter going to work. Um, You got to be very educational in your approach because the main thing going into this Louisville game is health. You got to make sure your guys are healthy. You got to make sure their bodies are there. And then mentally, you got to be prepared. Because multiple guys have to be prepared to play versus a high-caliber football team. That looks different as far as how they rush the football because they utilize their back more than backs and running backs and quarterback because Georgia Tech gave you a three-headed monster and they gave you their quarterback. What? Yeah, was it three-headed monster? Hold on. I think they just used two of their backs yesterday. Let's see. Yeah. It was basically two backs and, yeah. So they used Smith, who had 15 carries. King had seven carries, which is the quarterback. And then Haynes. 
Jamal Haynes had 17 carries. So they used both back 17 to 15 carries, and then the quarterback ran seven times. Louisville, they got a back that's dynamic and got speed for days. So when you're bouncing back from a butt whooping, man, you really mentally got to make sure you are healed. Because you're going to try to, because you're going to second guess a lot of the things you're doing. Because when it's a close game, you can look at little minute things. When it's a blowout, you question your whole operation. <laughs> you really do. You question everything. When you're a player, you like, yo, what did I eat? What did I wear to the game? How many hours did I sleep? What type of shows was I watching? Like, you like, whoa, did I not pray enough? What Bible verse did I read? Like, you just don't know what to do when you get smashed like that. But it's a mental thing. And you can't go into the next game fearing that feeling anymore. That feeling should empower you to really lock in and just say, I'm going out there and I'm playing, doing my job. That's the main thing. Everybody got to recalibrate and focus on how can they get better at their job. Because there's a lot of plays yesterday that Georgia Tech made that guys didn't do their job. And that's what they got to identify with. That's why I always say, Find solutions to not excuses. You can always find excuses. It's the easiest thing to find. Work and use that that time to find solutions that will stick with you for the last and last the test of times. Because it takes a lot of vulnerability and accountability when it comes to finding those solutions. Understanding that we can simplify things. Whether offensively or defensively. But I, I mean, I ain't, I ain't going in on them because I seen how both of them talked to the press, whether it was the presser or whether it was Jay James W I N A. I was right there for both of them doing it. Like they took accountability. Coach Rudd took accountability quick. Catcher took accountability quick. People look like people be be out here really, really, really reviewing how Coach Elliott addresses the media at the end of the games. They hate when they use we. They want every time Coach Elliott to talk, they want him to say I. So they pay attention to when Coach Elliott uses we, and they pay attention to when he uses I, because they be like, well, that we should have been just I, because that's on you. Oh, no, 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 that's on you. That shouldn't be a we, that should be an I. We got to stop doing that, bro. We really do. He don't pass the buck. That man be drained, man. I know he be wanting to cry. Hell, I'll cry for him. I know that man want to win, but bro, he come from somewhere where he was a winner. Speaking of that, let me sidebar again and talk to talk to Dabo and when Dabo said to the little young fan, because this is the day and age we live in. The little fan told Dabo, like, man, what was Clemson record? Four and four, five hundred, whatever it is. Like, yeah, we pay you all this money just to get this. And that fan was serious. And Dabo won't have it. Dabo basically served that boy, shut the hell up, Juice said, Man, listen, man. Listen, bro. I don't know who you is, what's your name, what's your name, or your name, so-and-so. If you want my job, come apply for my job. Show me you could do it. But in 35 years, they had this many national championships. In the last seven years, they had this. I got this many championships. When I hired Tony Elliott, they thought it was crazy. He led the two national championships, blah, blah, Like, And and sometimes we as fans, because even me, if I ask a player or say something to a player or a coach that I know is me trying to be petty hawk, and they meet me with their petty version. Can't play, can't play. You you can't act like they supposed to take the high road. Nah, we gotta stop doing that. Like, if you go low, people can go low with you. 
Like, I don't care what their status is. We got to stop doing that. We got to stop. I know we all looking for, oh, they took the high road. Good for him. No, nah, hell no. Nah. Sometimes y'all want Petty stuff because y'all love Petty Hawk. Y'all love Petty Hawk. Why? Because Petty Hawk go slop in the mud with the pigs too. So sometimes we're going to slop in the mud. You, everybody slops in the mud with the pigs. When you know, damn it, that's enough. You're going you gonna to learn. But even Dabo catching, that's, I mean, that's, that dude got two national championships. Even that fan base, like, man, this, what are we paying you for? So that made me look like, damn. If they doing a bona fide one like that, I'm looking at Coach E like, yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, they could do it to you too right now. And they, I ain't saying it's right. You know what I'm saying? You still need some time. Get your recruits. I get it. Everybody on your schedule got one. Did y'all know everybody that UVA has played this year has a winning record? Every single team. Hell, NC State 6-3 now. Boston College 6-3 now. This win put Georgia Tech 5-4. and four. Every, Everybody. James Madison still undefeated. Everybody got a winning record. Maryland, I, I know they like at least one game over 500, maybe two, because I know that you got beat bad by Penn State. But every everybody, like, do you know what this year could have did, though, if we could have made some of those losses into wins with, like, the amount of trash talk these fans could have had? Boy, they'd be like, yo, we, you know, just say we lost this game, right? Just say, what, we three and seven? I mean, two and seven. So let's say we were six and three right now. Just say we were six and three because this one game I felt like. So I give. So I say Maryland, Tennessee, this game clear losses, right? So let's say we would have been six and three after this game. Do you know how much trash can juice you could talk to everybody on your schedule? Got winning records, so we earned these six wins. Like yo, it would have been so boy. It would have been so much trash talk. And no, I'm not making an excuse. I'm not saying that. I'm, you see how what I did there? My petty side said, yeah, <laughs> let's flip it. We could have been talking cash money. You know what I'm saying? So, um, That's all I got, man. Like I said, one, it's going to be an excellent old episode. It's just going to be like, when you get your butt whipped, bro. I mean, let me let y'all in on a little something, man. When it's closed games, you got fixable errors, you go to actions of those, you break down the film. When you get smashed like this, I ain't looking at this. For what? You know you got that's like that's like that's like getting knocked out in the third round and you really gonna watch the fight again. You got knocked. That's like Earl Spence watching his fight versus Taryn Crawford. Fool, you got beat down. Ain't nothing you could do to what I'm gonna co- coach you up to knock your head in the face. Cover up. Don't train like you did last time. What? That's like asking somebody, that's like asking Spinks to watch his rematch with Mike Tyson. Man, you got knocked out quick. I ain't. Coaches, you better not be. Coaches, listen listen to Petty. This Petty Hawk talk. Burn it. Delete. Where the men in black thing at? Where Will Smith at? Delete. Delete this game from your brains. <laughs> we got smacked. I've been there before. I got smacked. Delete. I can't tell you nothing that happened that night versus Georgia Tech when they beat us 35-9 when Kelly Campbell seemed like he was catching speed outs every five plays versus me. I can't tell you nothing. All I just remember one time they tailback broke up through the A-gap and I tried to hit him from the side and he kicked me in the head and he kept going and he scored. 
and the score was 35 nothing, and we're still playing Uno, me and Byron Three, and, and Donnie Green, and Tim Sprue, and Demetrius Dyson, and Kevin Coffey. We was playing Uno. That's all I remember. Because I deleted from my brain. I know we lost. I know it was nighttime in Atlanta by the apartments. But I can't tell you nothing else. Why? Delete. Control or delete. So if you if you a Georgia Tech fan and you listen to this, salute to y'all. Y'all earned it. 300 yards rushing. Woodshed. Hallelujah. Rambling wreck for real. Because you wrecked everything and rambled it. Y'all kept it really simple on offense. Your defense could be trash can juice, but it ain't like trash can juice yesterday because your offense was your best defense. Now, granted, great interception by the DB that took the ball from Malachi Fields. That was great. Salute to Malik Washington, the fastest receiver to get to 1,000 yards in University of Virginia history. Did it in just nine games. Four straight 100-yard games in a row, which is a record. Seven 100-yard games, which is a record. Young man has been phenomenal. Thank you, Northwestern, for signing off for him to transfer here to the University of Virginia. Malik Washington, salute to you, King. You will be considered one of the greatest receivers to ever wear the V-Saber. Woo. You that dude. Got to get ready for Louisville. Short week. Quick turnaround. Just got to get to it. It's the Ball Hawk Show, man. Appreciate everybody for tapping in. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the to the podcast. Um, I know this episode was a little different, man, but yeah, I ain't. I mean, who wants to review this game in depth? It's gonna be miserable. I'm like watching paint dry. This is depressing. And then you got the fumes. This is a bad game. Everybody know that. Coaches know that. Players know that. I done been there, so I ain't coming at y'all left. Players and coaches <laughs> got my high pods whipped before, but you just got to regroup, recalibrate. Nobody giving you a chance Thursday. I think y'all really like that. Y'all like that because y'all was favored this game. And now y'all understand when it, what comes with success in the sense of, no, you didn't beat Miami, but people see you as a success. With success becomes responsibility, comes responsibility and a certain standard in which they view that you need to play at. And you were favored, and you you were favored by three and got smashed. So now you're going to Louisville back to your regular scheduled program of nobody, nobody's going to believe in you, bro. But you, and you're on the road. I think y'all like that because, in a sense, it's safe. Because if you come up short, you weren't supposed to win anyway. But now we got to change that mindset. It ain't about, it ain't about what everybody think going to happen. We expect to win even when we expect to lose. Cause you got folks out here that claim your win versus UNC was a fluke and you're supposed to beat Wilmer Murray. They say you ain't gonna win no more games. You got Louisville, Duke, Virginia Tech. You take from it what you want. But that's all I got for you, man. It's the Ball Hawk Show. Good. It's the enemy of great. Be great in everything that you do. Never let nobody tell you you can't do what you set your mind out to do, man. We out of here. Oh! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.